Amen. That was good. And it's good to see each and every one of you here today. I'm honored by your presence here today. I know some of you have come from near. Others have come from far. Pastor Barnes came all the way from Maryland. B.J. Schultz came all the way from Tanzania. I don't think we have anybody further away than that. But uh, I appreciate you here. We have uh, a family here from Wisconsin as well. And uh, so, yeah, it's good to see you today. The Greens have come all the way from Millington. So thank you for coming today. Hey, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn if you would, please, to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. What kind of faith do you have today, folks? You know, uh, you know, we have the faith to believe. We call that salvation. We come to the point in time in our life when we realize that we are without hope, without God, lost in our sins. And we come to understand that by faith, an individual can come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Just prior to the service, talking with one of our young men about the fact that this past week had to talk to a close family member, I'll call him because he's like a family member to them and share the gospel with him. And it's an individual that has been with us for some time. We love him greatly. But uh, uh, that evening, he bowed his head and trusted Christ as his Lord and Savior. He came to experience and be renewed in, in living faith and saving faith, rather. But, you know, once we come to know Christ as our Savior, God's design is that we grow in that faith. I just stay where we are and I just be content with uh, that saving faith. But now that that faith might grow into living faith, that we might live out our days exuberant and excited about what God has done in saving us. And now that realizing that he has a, a greater yet plan for us. But he wants that faith to now to begin to continue to grow for us as uh, we look at the time in our life when we placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and know him as our personal Lord and Savior, we began that journey, that walk of faith. My question today is where you are, where are you in that, that journey of faith? How, is your faith continuing to grow? Some years ago, I remember walking through our church fellowship hall and was on my way to the Sunday school class that I was teaching, the adult Bible class that I was teaching. And Noticed the light on in the kitchen, and so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty particular about lights and switches and some part of my OCD problem that I have. I, if you will help me here at the church to make sure when the switches, when the lights are off, that the switches are down. It really bothers me when the switches are up. I actually walk around the church sometimes and just turn switches down and try to figure out. I know it's, it, it drives me crazy at times. But, 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 you know, God, God wants to, to use us in our lives and our circumstances of life to be able to begin to grow in, in a knowledge and understanding of him. But he wants us to get to the place in our lives where we take that next step spiritually. Uh, Colossians 2, 6, Paul writing to the church at Colossae, and he's burdened and concerned that not only that they've been redeemed and they're children of God, but now that they're progressing in their walk and relationship with him. And he goes on to say, as you've therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. And from the moment that we're saved to the moment that we die, we take that last breath and God ushers us into eternity to, to the glories and splendor of heaven. He wants us to continue to grow in faith. Now, what the devil wants to do, he knows that he, he knows that he's lost the battle for the soul. He can no longer take that and draw you away, take that salvation away from you, because the Bible teaches uh, that we are secure in him. But now we see that the devil, the battle for the, for the, for the Christian life is now for the mind. He can't steal the salvation of your soul from God, but now he wants to struggle to take grasp that mind of yours. And if he can lead you astray and lead you down a different path other than the path of faith and the path of righteousness that God would have you to walk, then you're just going to be a baby Christian your whole life. There's not going to be much growth, not much maturity at all. And 
and eventually there might even come a time in your life where you all, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I know that I'm saved. I asked Christ in my life, but, but the reality is, is there really isn't much to this Christian, excuse me, this Christianity. I'm not experiencing the joy that other people talk about. I remember being in Bible college and oftentimes on Monday as we come back from our Sunday uh, weekends uh, extension ministries, you know, uh, they would have a testimony time where students could stand and tell what say what God's been doing in their lives and through the ministries there. I'm hearing these young uh, these other students standing up and giving testimony to these things and what God's doing in their lives. And man, what a wonderful, amazing thing that it was. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, well, what about me? Why aren't you doing those things in my life? And it really goes to our text this morning that we're going to look at because I I hadn't begun to take the steps or I wasn't taking the steps in the way that I should have been as far as growing in my faith. And that's really what I want to talk with you about today, present to you a message, you know, challenging to continue to go forth in your faith, allowing your faith to grow and mature. Because once it does, and as it continues to grow, you're going to find yourself in, in, in a greater love relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're going to find yourself in a greater love with a love book that he's given to us called the Bible. You're going to find yourself rejoicing and, and growing and, and going in, your, in, in the faith walk that you have in Jesus Christ. That even when the trials and challenges and tests of time come, that uh, though the devil may be trying to steal your joy, he can't steal your joy. Because uh, that's part of the spirit of God dwelling within you through, through that fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the long suffering, the gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, those character qualities that he wants to instill in each and every one of us. And so let's turn our attention here to Second uh, uh, Samuel chapter or second Samuel, second Peter, chapter one, second Peter, chapter one, begin reading in verse number one. It says Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle. Now that's, that's kind of interesting that he would say a servant and an apostle because those are two very people. Two, two very different people. Calls himself a servant. He's a, a slave. That's the word doulos. He's a slave. Considers himself to be a slave. You know, when you first meet Peter in the Bible, we find that he's a proud and arrogant individual. And uh, yet now we see him here calling himself a servant. Something's happened in his life. He's met the Savior. He's met the Master. And, and Peter really struggled in, 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 uh, in his walk uh, with the Lord. There were times that he walked away from the Lord, went back fishing, and God brought him back and restored him whole. And sometimes that's exactly where we are in our faith walk. We get frustrated, we fall, and we fail, and, and we're thinking, you know, what's the use? You know, I'm tired of this falling and failing. This, this is supposed to be a life of victory. This is supposed to be a, a life of fulfillment. And, uh, and that's where the devil wants us to be. But, but now we see Peter having that proud, arrogant individual, cocky individual, now calling himself a servant because God had begun to transform uh, his life and, and, and humbled him to where he acknowledged himself as a servant, but yet also as an apostle. He was one of the, the, the 12 that were sent out to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He actually initially only went to the Jewish people until God did a work in his life to where Paul, uh, Peter's ministry uh, went to the Gentile like, as, alike as well. But he was sent out by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Now we know to whom he's writing. He's writing to you and me. If you're here today and you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've obtained like precious faith to what he's talking about. Though he's writing to these believers that were scattered throughout the regions, yet he's also writing to us today. I love how God... Uh, through his Holy Spirit, has assembled the word of God together. Not just to describe for us historically what took place back in those times in these letters as they were sent 
uh, to the churches as well as, as to believers that were spread abroad. But it also it's written so it applies to us today. Many people say, well, that book's just outdated. It's old fashioned. We need to get something that's new and updated, and more modern and so forth. And I say, you know what? It, it, it's a great book and we need to fall in love with this book and rejoice in what God's given to us. And so he's telling us to whom he's written. He's writing those that obtain like precious faith. And then he tells us how we've obtained it. It's not through our good works. It's not through anything that we have done. But notice what it says there. It says through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's declaring Jesus Christ to be God. One and the same, not two different entities working together, but they're one and the same through God and our Savior. Our God is our Savior. There in Matthew, as we're, as, uh, uh, as, as the, the message is going forth, the, the message is uh, there, Matthew's written, says, Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Not just Jesus with us, but very God with us. He says, Grace and peace. Be multiplied unto you. Grace and peace always go together, and grace always precedes peace. Grace and peace. Uh, the grace of God. God's riches at Christ's expense. Christ came, and God graciously uh, gave his own son uh, to die on the cross of Calvary to, to make an atonement for our sins. Was placed in the tomb three days later, rose victorious, extended to us uh, free and full salvation. But then peace, as a result of our salvation, the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And for the child of God, that, that's exactly what happens in our lives. We are transformed and we receive that peace of God. It says the peace of God be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. This peace comes as you have a greater knowledge of who God is and what he desires in your life. What he desires in my life. And so we see that it, it, that's why we need to direct our attention to the word of God, our knowledge and understanding of God, not just for knowledge's sake. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that knowledge puffeth up. You can boast and brag about what you know, but until you apply it to your life, that's when, when transforming things happen. Oftentimes, as I meet with people, especially our RU students, and they, they talk with me about what they're going through and the challenges and the hardships and the difficulties that they're facing and and they'll, they'll want some direction and some help, and I'll offer that and give them scripture, and they'll say, I, I'm Pastor, I know. Pastor, I know. Pastor, I know. And I'll turn to the student and says, are you hearing yourself? You're telling me that you already know these things. The problem isn't with what you know. It's the problem is with what you're doing. You have to begin to do these things. And as it pertains to our faith and growing our faith, it's not what you know. We know that our faith is to grow. You know what we need to do to grow our faith. And so therefore now we begin to we need to begin to play that out in our life. So according to the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, verse three, according as his divine power, we see his divine influence really in verses one and two. Everything is accomplished because of the person of God, his influence, his direction, his leading in our life. But now we see his divine power, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Hey, are you struggling in your walk with Jesus Christ? I think we all do from time to time. But here, the, the scripture here tells us that everything that he's given to us by his divine power, he's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. In other words, there's not a solitary thing more that we need to be able to live a life of faith and live a life of victory through Jesus Christ. This verse is telling me that God has already given to us everything that we need, all of the resources that we need. He's given us uh, the presence of his son, Jesus Christ, to, 
to, to purge us from our sins. He's given us the word of God to guide and direct us. He's given us his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And it says, though God, the Father, sitting on the throne saying, what more do I need to give to you? He says here in this passage of Scripture, I've given you all things already that are necessary for you to live a victorious life, for you to be continuing to grow in your, your walk and relationship with him so that you know the direction, you know the decisions uh, of life that you need to go. And so he says, uh, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. There it is again. The more you have a knowledge of him, you'll you'll better understand how these truths apply, how they connect with one another. So you can walk that walk of faith and live a life of victory for Jesus Christ. It says through the knowledge of him that hath called us unto unto glory and to virtue. Whereby are given unto us. If it wasn't enough that God's already given us all things that we need for life and godliness. Now it's going to go on and say, and besides this, let me tell you what else he's given to you. He says, whereby are also given to us uh, exceeding great and precious promises that by these that you might be partakers of the divine nature. So we see the divine influence in verses one and two. We see the divine power in verses three and four. And now we see the divine nature that he's given unto us because of the person of the spirit of God uh, dwelling within the life of every believer. In other words, he enables us to be able to walk the walk and talk the talk. You've heard me through these many years, 38 years now, say your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a tongue twister, but the reality is, is it's so very true. Many of us can talk the talk, but the hard part isn't talking the talk. The hard part is walking the walk. And we see here, it's, it's telling us that he's, uh, and besides all of these things that he's already given unto us, the, the person of his son, the presence of his spirit, the power of the word of God, he says that he's given unto us exceeding uh, great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. That's the desire uh, of our flesh. That's the, that's the power of the draw of this world that we can have victory over that. We don't have to go the way of the world. I was sharing it with our Sunday school class this morning, our overcomers class. The fact that many times, uh, you know, we know. Uh, how the Christian ought to walk and how the Christian ought to live. But we, we need to have a different kind of a walk. If how we live as a Christian is very similar to what the world is doing and living, then why does the world need what we have? People will look at us and say, well, man, you, you're going to the same places that I go. You're doing some of the same things that I'm doing, maybe not everything. And you're, uh, you you talk about the same things that I talk about. So why why this big thing about God and, and Jesus and trusting uh, in salvation and so forth for the forgiveness of sins. Why do you have something that, that, that I need in my life? And so we realize here that the, the corruption that is in the world, and truly we know that, and it's through our lust. It says, and besides this, give all diligence, add to your faith. Now we're getting down to the meat of it here. The reason why sometimes we struggle in our life and our walk for Jesus Christ is because we are not growing and maturing in our faith for him. It's not just, again, as I said earlier, not just what you know, it's what you do with what you know. You can have great portions of the word of God, and I've known individuals have known great portions of the word of God that, that haven't used this in their lives as far as walking the walk of faith and adding to their faith. Notice what it says, adding to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and we're going to look at each and every one of these, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, notice what he's going on now to say. 
these qualities that he's now mentioned here that need to grow your faith and strengthen your faith so you can stand against the test of time. For if these things be in you and abound, they're not just in you because his spirit's in you, but they're being demonstrated in and through your life as an example. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall uh, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you're going to be productive. You're going to have a worthwhile life. You're going to you're going to have a fulfilled and contented and satisfied life. And the real reality is, is that's really what we all want. We want a full life. We want to we come to the end of our journey. We want to be satisfied as we look back. It wasn't a perfect journey. It wasn't a perfect walk because we aren't perfect people. You know, heaven isn't full of perfect people. Heaven is full of forgiven people. And so we see here that that he's challenging and, and, and telling us that if we will follow this recipe for adding to our faith, these things in our life, for if these things be in you, you'll be productive. Your life will abound. You'll experience the fullness and joy in your life. But notice verse number nine it says, but he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off. Hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. In other words, what he's saying here is you're not going to be thinking like like a Christian ought to be thinking. You're not going to have the mind of Christ. You're going to be viewing your life from the perspective of humanity. And that, you know, you know, this is this is impossible. This can't be done. And God can't do that. And we can't do that. And I can't go there and whatever it may be. And, and you're going to be lacking the, the fullness of God's uh, presence and blessing within your life. But no, notice verse number 10. It's wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Um, for if ye do these things, notice these last four words, ye shall never fall. Paul, or Peter's concern for these believers, knowing the Christian walk and the life as we live it, that from time to time we do stumble, we do fall. Proverbs talks about a just man falling seven times and rising up again, falling multiple times. Now, that's not an excuse for us to go out and just live our life recklessly to fall and Okay, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Fall again. Forgive me of my sins. That's not the thought there. The thought there is, is there because of our human flesh, because of the draw of our flesh to the things of this world, that there will be times that in moments of weakness and trial and affliction that we may give into our flesh and fall. But a just man, a truly just man will rise up again and, and repent of that sin and turn to Christ, not for, for, not, not for salvation, but forgiveness of that restoration into the fellowship with him. And will continue on their path. And there be, may be another time in their life that they will fall again. And we, we've experienced that. We've done that. But a just man, a righteous man, a godly individual will rise back up again and say, you know what? Now, I may have lost that battle, but the war is not over yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back in the fight again. And that's what we need to do. And, and as your faith grows and, and is strengthened, you'll find yourself falling less and, and growing more. Strengthened uh, by might. Uh, and the inner man, uh, the Bible tells us. And so we see verse number 10, that ye shall never fall. Notice verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, Peter says, I will not uh, be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. In this passage of scripture, verses uh, 1 through uh, 15, there's four times that, that Peter refers to these things. And what are these things that are so important and, and Peter's trying to remind these people of? Well, the things that he's trying to talk to them about are the things that they're to add to their faith. Things that you and I need to add to our faith. 
so that we can live the life and uh, not be drawn away of our flesh into the, the things of this world, that we can live a life an example and a testimony to others, that we can stand boldly and, and proclaim his name and, and, and be called the child of God. And so this morning, I want to draw our attention specifically to this passage of Scripture, not because of the contents it contains anything new, but because its essential message is truly relevant to the spiritual health and well-being of each of us as individuals, as, to well, as well as to us corporately as a church. I need this. You know, I, I don't stand here in the pulpit and give you something that I haven't already preached to myself. Because, you know, I can't give you something that's not here. I can't be that kind of an example. And I'm flesh just like you are. And I walk the same walk many times as you walk. And I'm confronted by the same things of this world that you're confronted with. And so, therefore, I need to add to my, my faith these things as well. Because if I'll do these things, my life will be productive. I'll see my life having impact and influence in the lives of other people in this world. My, my neighborhood will be different. Uh, my workplace will be different. My church will be different. And my friends will be different as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're thankful and grateful for your loving kindness to us. Lord, we don't understand it fully, but we truly are thankful and grateful for it. Lord, thank you for the saving grace, salvation through Jesus Christ. Lord, the only hope of eternity is in Jesus Christ. Lord, the answer for this world's problems isn't in the White House. It's in the church house where the word of God is preached and taught. And you are exalted and honored and lifted up. Where, where, your, where your word is held close to the heart and lived out in the lives of every, of every believer. Lord, I pray that we might be mindful of these truths today. Lord, I'm thankful of the people that, that you assembled this morning. What a great crowd we have this morning. My, how they sang so wondrously this morning, exalting and lifting you through their voices of praise and adoration. But I pray now that you'd quiet our hearts and quiet our minds and help us to be receptive to the truths as we introspectively look at our own lives, at our own walk? Are we adding uh, our, uh, to our faith these critical elements that whereby we will stand in, in, a, in a corrupt world and that we can testify to the greatness of our God and, Lord, that we can do all to the praise and honor of your name? And so, Lord, I ask by your spirit through your word today that you'll minister our hearts, that we'll go away truly saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Lord, if there are some decisions that need to be made I hear today in the lives of individuals, Lord, that they might humble themselves and that they might by faith uh, renew that fellowship and that relationship with thee. For those that may be here today that are outside of Jesus Christ, they've never come to a personal relationship with you. If they were died to, to die today, heaven is not their home because they haven't turned to you and, and called upon you for the remission of their sins and the forgiveness. Lord, I today pray today that today might be the day that they would make that decision. And so, Lord, we, we look to you for strength. And Lord, I ask that your will be done uh, through this time together in your precious name. Amen. We see here three things that we want to notice from this passage of scripture. First thing that I want us to notice is uh, up in verse number one, uh, Peter talks to these believers about precious faith. And I think sometimes in our walk for Jesus Christ uh, and, and the struggles that we have is not just because of our flesh, it's because, our, as I said earlier, our faith isn't growing. We haven't grown into a a personal relationship. We talk about Jesus Christ being a personal savior and, and God the Father are being our personal father and, 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 and so forth like that. But the reality is we haven't begun to grow in that. And, and here he's talking about having a precious faith. And we need to see this it's speaking as to its value as well as to its honor. To have this precious faith. God didn't have to do what he did. 
He didn't have to leave the glories and the splendor of heaven to take upon the form of human flesh and the person of Jesus Christ to come into the world, lay aside all those attributes of who he was and what he uh, what he desi was desiring to do there to come into this world to redeem man, his creation, the, the, the greatest of all of his creation. You see, all of creation magnifies and glorifies God, whether it's to be a flower or a tree or an animal or whatever it may be. They're fulfilling what God created them to do and to be. But the greatest of all of God's creation that he gave a mind, will, and emotion to to make choices and decisions of their own is the one that's rebelled against him. There in the Garden of Eden as uh, the serpent uh, tempted uh, Eve there that day, she was drawn away and her eyes saw and she wanted it and it looked, was good for fruit and uh, you know uh, her flesh uh, desired it as well. And the pride of life led her to be, you know, if I partake in this, I'll be wise, I'll be like God. And uh, she fell into sin, and all sin as a result, it falls into that three, those three categories, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You can look at your life, the times that you've been drawn away, you can ask which of these was there. Usually all three of them are there. But it may have started with the lust of the eyes, the desires of your flesh, the arrogance and pride of our flesh as well, leading us astray. But we see here that, that, that Peter addresses this precious face. He wanted them to know that what they have is truly valuable. It's truly valuable. It's worth having. It's not worth just possessing and then setting it on the shelf and just letting it be there. It's valuable to have in your life and to live out because the world needs to see something different than what they have. And so we see he calls it precious faith. There's something with Peter about the word precious because he talks here in verse number one about precious faith. In verse number four, he talks about precious promises. If you were to flip back to First uh, Peter chapter one verse nineteen, he talks about precious blood. If you go to Second uh, First uh, Peter two verse four and six, he talks about the precious stone. And and First Peter two seven, he talks about a precious savior. Peter had come to the place in his life where this Christian life and what God had done for him and this relationship that he had with Jesus Christ, and now as the the word of God is going forth, how precious so everything was. He saw everything as precious and valuable and honorable. Uh, to the Lord and he wanted to esteem it as such it's precious as to its person to the redeeming uh, power the righteousness of God the Bible tells us and, and our Savior Jesus Christ it's 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 precious as to its power it's precious as to his power the faith that we have enables us to have victory over the sins of our life we do not have to give in to sin uh, Romans chapter 6 verse number 1 says shall we continue in sin that grace may abound and Paul's response on the inspiration of the Spirit of God is, God forbid. It's amazing. It's wonderful that, that as an individual comes to the acknowledgement of their sin, that they can go to him for forgiveness of their sins and God will wash away that sin. That's an amazing thing. And so the, the believers are saying, man, should we just continue to sin that we can experience this grace over and over again? No, you don't have to extend to experience the grace of God. We can live by faith and experience the grace of God and living a life of victory uh, for him. And so we see uh, it's precious as to its person. We see it's precious as to its power, the ability to overcome sin in our life and live a, a life of victory. We also see it's precious as to its purpose. We see it's precious as to its purpose. Verse number 10, those last four words, you shall never fall. If you will, if you will implement these ingredients into your life, add to your faith these things, you have the ability to never fall. Romans talks about that, that, that we don't have to sin again. We don't have to yield to sin. 
we yield because of our, our lustful fleshly desires. And we give into that. I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but God has enabled us. He, he tells us he's given us all things uh, pertaining unto life and godliness, everything that we need to live a life of victory to please the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we recognize, uh, Peter's trying to draw their attention at the beginning here to recognize the preciousness of their faith. And I want you and, and myself today to realize how precious what we have and how valuable that it is and that we can honor our Lord and Savior by living a life that pleases him. You see, it's not about us. It's about him. It's always been about him. And we need to live a life that is, is exemplary of that. First John 5, 4 says, what, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. The last three words, even our faith. What enables us to live a life of victory over the oppression and, and the, the draw of this world in our flesh? It's our faith. As our faith uh, continues to grow and get stronger, the greater the victories uh, will come uh, in our life. Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, uh, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And so we see here that the preciousness of faith that, that Peter's trying to draw their attention to. Hey, don't just pass it off. Don't make light of it. See, for what it really is, and that's sometimes the struggle that we have, and that's why we just don't have that view that Peter's trying to draw their attention to. And understanding what these, uh, these folks were facing as they were scattered around because of persecution, the hardships that they were facing because, you know, we've learned through our study in First Peter here a while back that First Peter's all about enduring the sufferings of, of time and of life and what we may face. And we all face times of suffering and trial and affliction in our life, and and so now, and now Peter's going on and, and telling them to realize that these times, your faith will strengthen you and enable you to get through those times for his glory. And so we see, first of all, draws their attention to the preciousness of their faith. Secondly, he's trying to remind them to respond to the progress of their surrendered faith, that as they continue to yield to the spirit of God in their life and they surrender to him, that this faith will continue to grow as they add these things uh, into their life and, and how important that it is by giving, he says, all diligence add to your faith. Therefore, there is life. If there's life, there must be growth. And you see, the new birth is not the end. It's just the beginning. What Peter is saying here is critically important. He's reminding these believers and us, too, by the way, that God has provided for them all the things that they need to live the blessed and prosperous life uh, of true righteousness, godliness and holiness. And all that they needed to do was to diligently discipline themselves, to aggressively apply themselves to the means of this grace that he's given unto them. In other words, they needed to respond. They needed to do something like what, with what they know. And so, therefore, he admonishes these believers to add to their faith so that they will produce, uh, produce in them the very fear of God that they're needing that will produce a God-pleasing quality of their life. And so let's look briefly at these character qualities uh, with regard to progression of our surrendered faith, as we yield to him, enable that to grow in our lives. First of all, he says, add to your faith virtue, add to your faith virtue. He's talking about moral excellence here. He's talking about living above board. That's talking about our character. But it's also talking about valor, our valor, being courageous and living this life uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked a little bit last Sunday night about being courageous uh, in the times that we face. It is fulfilling one's purpose with excellence is what he's, he's asking these people to do. Fulfill your purpose of life 
with excellence, one that's above board, one that's going to honor, exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, one that's going to point people to the Savior. And it will have an impact upon your character as well as upon your courage. What Peter's asking these people to do is to add to their faith virtue, is adding moral excellence and valor to the same faith with which, which, with which they believed, received, and trusted Christ for salvation. It is the very same faith that was exercised when you also trusted Christ for salvation and you gave your life to him and he in turn gave you his divine nature. And it's the very same faith that will also continually give you forgiveness of sins as ascribed to you in the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we need to add virtue to life, our godly character that we demonstrate before the world day by day. That we live, it's not easy living the, uh, the, the Christian life. Um, you know, uh, I remember uh, at school sometimes people would make light of, you know, they would invite us to the Friday night uh, parties, so to speak. And I would, I, you know, I would decline those parties. And, of course, you know, that, that didn't put me in, in good spot in their eyes. It finally got to the place where I was no longer invited because they knew I wouldn't go. It wasn't that I was placing myself in a position better than or that I thought better uh, uh, of myself than them. It was the reality of the fact that I knew that's not where God wanted me to be. And I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be around that influence in that environment. I'll be friends to them. I'll be friendly to them. But nonetheless, I, I don't want to be like them. And see, we oftentimes become exactly who we hang around with. Think about it where you are today. Who do you hang around with? Who are the closest people to you? What's the greatest influence upon your life? How much like them are you or how much are, uh, of you, are they like you? And we see that that's uh, really uh, Peter's point here, that having the virtue of godly character in your life so that you, you mirror the life of Jesus Christ. And so he says, first of all, we need to add to our, our, our faith moral virtue or moral excellence and valor. Courage. Secondly, he says, to virtue, and this moral excellence, we need to add knowledge. That's gnosis. It's a practical knowledge or discernment. This speaks to one's ability to handle life successfully. Handle life successfully. This kind of knowledge does not come automatically. It comes from obedience to the will of God. Uh, we talk about a lot of times about discipleship as an individual comes to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we talk about uh, going to the word of God and teaching them the basics of what it means to be a Christian and understanding the purpose and direction that God has for life. And oftentimes we'll get to uh, in the, the series of discipleship, we'll get to the fact that, you know what, God has a plan for your life. I'm here to tell you today that God has a plan for every one of your lives. I don't know what that plan is. You may not know what that plan is, but God has a plan for your life. You need to continually be seeking that plan. But as we go through the process of learning more about him, the early stages of life and, and discipleship really are all about obedience. You know, obedience tells us uh, to, to God, tells us, hey, we need to spend time with God. We need to spend time in his word. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time in service and ministry. We need to spend time around the people of God because all of those things will, will begin to build and bolster uh, our faith and strengthen us in, in, in our walk and relationship with him. But there does come a time in our life where God wants to go move beyond the general things of, of the Christian life to now where he, where he wants to get down to the specifics. And this is really hard because, because the, the general things is all about obedience. Are you willing to obey me? As a child of God, are you willing simply to obey me and spend time with me in the word? Spend time in prayer. Spending time with God's people, fellowshipping around the things of God. 
then he then when we get to the specific things, I, I just don't know what God's will and leading in my life is. That's where now God's not asking you just to obey. Now he's saying, are you willing to step out? Are you willing to take that step and trust me by faith that I'm going to lead you down a path? I told someone this past week where I'm at and what I'm doing is by no means what I ever plan to do in my life. Well, last week I, I talked about uh, one of the things that was in the one of the messages last week was the fact that God gives us enough light to see what's in front of us, but not so far down the line that we, that we will see where we're heading and, and cause great fear in our lives because we'll run the other way. You see, when I was 15 years old, I, I loved sports. I loved athletics, didn't like school much. But in order to play sports and athletics, you had to have decent grades. So, uh, you know, I got good enough grades. C. that's where I was just on the C level. And uh, and I, I, you know, I was I was I was a child of God at that time. But I can't say I was passionate about living for him. I wasn't spending time in his word like I ought to have been. I hadn't established the kind of relationship I hadn't added to my faith, virtue into virtue, knowledge into knowledge, uh, temperance into temperance, uh, patience into patience, godliness to godliness, brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness, charity. I had added begun to add those things to my life. And as a result, I was weak spiritually. I was having a hard time standing in my public school. I was kind of a chameleon, kind of blending in and blending out. I knew what to stay away from as far as the actions and the activities. But I was, you know, some ways I was just like them. And that's not what God intends for our lives. And I'm afraid sometimes in, in, our, in, our, in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in our workplace and other things like that, we just kind of blend in. And God doesn't want us to blend in. He wants us to stand up and be bold uh, to, to the praise and glory of his name. Uh, John 7, 17 says, if any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Talking about the knowledge, how much of the word of God, not just do you know, but how much of the word of God are you applying and living out? There has to be a knowledge. It has to be a practical knowledge, something that you can use. There's a lot of information and a lot of knowledge out there that's worthless. That would that, uh, geometry would fall under that category in my mind. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Now, my brother, he's, he's a math wizard, so it makes complete sense to him. But there, there are things in our lives that will say, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, you know what? This book, the word of God, may not seemingly, I can't grasp all of these truths. God isn't asking us to grasp all of them. He's just asking us to take one at a time. Hey, let's work on this one. That's really what we do in RU as we minister to the addicted. We say, hey, just take this truth this week. Just exercise this one thing. Practically in your life and knowledge has to be practical because if it's not practical, you're never going to use it It's just going to be knowledge in your head and it's not going to be of any benefit to you And so so Peter's asking these believers to add virtue a moral excellence so that they're above board They're exemplary and live in their life for Christ But they also have a, a working knowledge that is practical in their life that they can live it out Because practicality is what it's all about providing the discernment that they need to grow in this knowledge one needs to come to the word of God, letting it shape and control their thoughts, their emotions and decisions of life. Why so many times when we're confronted by the things of this world do, uh, the trials and tests of life, why do we sometimes react just like the world does? Whether that be we run and flee or we, we call everybody else rather than going to God uh, with these matters and situations of life. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you, Colossians 3.16, richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace into your heart. Do you have the joy of the Lord? Is your faith allowing you to exercise and experience the joy? Now, this morning in our song service, you were so exuberant in your singing as you lifted your voice. It was so 
and so much enjoyed the singing of God's people today lifts my spirit, encourages me, uh, and, and blesses me as well. And I, I'm so grateful for that. But, but Paul writing to these Colossian believers said, let, let God, the word of God dwell in you richly. Mull over it, meditate upon it, let it, and allow it to change your life. And so we see we're to add virtue, we're to add knowledge. It says temperance. That's speaking of self-control and self-discipline. Uh, Proverbs 16.32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruled his spirit than he that taketh the city. This is only accomplished if one yields to the work of the Spirit of God in their life. We need to allow the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within. You see, when we got saved, accepted Christ as our Savior, this individual that last night placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he just didn't get a spirit. He got the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within him. To teach him and to admonish him in the things and in the ways of his walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's just a baby believer and he doesn't know all of the things that, that pertain to the Christian walk in life. But you know what? He'll learn those things. And as he begins to learn, he'll start to crawl in his Christian faith. And then he'll begin to stand up and then he'll begin to walk. And, and it's really an exciting time for him. But you know what? It ought to be just as exciting for us that have been saved for some time. Our Christian walk daily ought to be continued to expand and to grow that walk of faith and adding to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to be disciplined in the word of God, to be dis disciplined in living out the word of God in our lives, to be disciplined in, in our conversation and in our actions, not allowing the circumstances of our life to control us, but us controlling those circumstances, not in our power, not in our might, but in, by the might and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, add to, patient, uh, to temperance patience. Patience is a steadfast endurance. It's a long suffering, suffering long during those times. And that's really what Peter was addressing there in First Peter when talking about afflictions and, and enduring through trials. It is the ability to endure or handle the pressures and problems of life, especially when circumstances are difficult. Temperance and patience go hand in hand. Temperance has to do with handling the pleasures of life, while patience has to do with dealing with the pressures and problems of life. Patience doesn't come naturally or automatically. We must work at uh, work, work at it. We must expect the trials that will come, but let trials work for us, not against us. At all times, we must be patient when our faith is tried. I remember years ago, my, my cousin, she was a, a WSI. She was a water safety instructor, and she was a few years older than my brother and I, and and uh, my brother and I didn't know how to swim. We had a dread and fear of water, I'll be honest with you. And uh, uh, the community offered swimming lessons, but uh, we were too uh, embarrassed because we didn't know how to swim. And most of the people in our age would know how to swim. And so my, my cousin said, you know what, bring the boys down to the pool and I'll give them private lessons. And so she gave us private lessons. And sometimes, you know, when you're first learning to do something, you know, you're just flailing in the water. And she just said, hey, relax. You know, let these things work for you. Let the buoyancy of the water work for you. Don't work against it. Don't fight against it. And so many times, you know, we're so we're so caught up in trying to fight against the things that we feel are threatening us. When actually all we have to do if we'll just step back a minute and relax and and see what uh, the way that God's leading us through those times. Uh, it'll it'll produce a, a life of, of, of victory in our lives. Patience doesn't come automatically. James 1, 3 and 4 says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That as our faith is tested, it produces other qualities of our life. I tell people all the time, you know, as trials come into my life, I don't try to view them as bad things. 
I try to view them from the standpoint of I'm back in school again. And God's trying to teach me something. As I said in the verse earlier, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. He's just trying to help me take that next step spiritually. And so as trials come, I'll, I'll tell the Lord. I mean, we'll have an open, honest conversation. God, I am not liking this. I don't know why you're doing this to me. You know, I've got enough on my plate already. I don't need any more of these things added to my plate. But you know, God, rather than looking and viewing and questioning and wondering you, I'm going to accept this thing that this is what you have for my life because you're trying to teach me something. And so rather than allowing the devil to fill my life with frustration and despondency and despair, I'm saying, God, I'm trusting you and I'm going to experience the joy through this experience. Not liking it, but I'm going to rejoice through this experience. And I'll go through that trial and that time and and strive to rejoice in what God's doing and allowing him to work in my life. And that's how we need to respond in, in these matters of, of patient, a patient endurance, a steadfastness. Even in the tough times, keep on keeping on. Then he says godliness. Add to patience, godliness. This is a godlikeness to worship well, to reverence him. It's described, it describes a man who was in a right relationship with God and a right relationship with man. Godliness is the fear of God that leads us to live righteous life. You know, the reason we, we don't live as righteously as we ought to is because we don't fear God as we ought to. You know, it's like the students in the classroom. The teacher says, I need to step out of the classroom, continue to do your work, stay quiet, and all the other things that teachers will say. And you know what happens when the teacher walks out of the room. When they know that the teacher's down the hallway a little bit, one kid will run to the door just to make sure that he or she's down the hallway. And then there's utter chaos happens. I remember in seventh grade. We, we, we were problem children, I'll be honest with you. I really felt sorry for Mrs. Westfall. She was our math teacher. Um, we were out of control. And there were times that because of who we are and what we did, as far as a class, that she, remember one day, she was uh, standing over here in front of the board. She had her book. And uh, we liked at that time to take a full sheet of paper Fortunately, the junior age church kids aren't here. Uh, we, we would wad it up as small as we could get it, and then we put it in our mouth. And we just soak on that piece of paper till it got nice and soft. And then, then we would take it when the teacher wasn't looking. This was, this was while the teacher was teaching, but when she'd go to the board to do something, then we'd throw it towards someone on the other side of the room. And oftentimes, they knew the moment that the teacher turned that we needed to be looking. And uh, be ducking or something like that. And throughout that room, honestly, there were different places in that room where obviously we didn't hit our targets. And that spit wad was was more than a spit wad. It it, it stuck to the wall. There were different things like that that had happened. And one day we had so frustrated that she took that book and she slapped that book shut. And she looked over the desk and she threw the, the book on her desk full of frustration the, the book hit the desk, was full of uh, math assignment pa- papers from all of her classes, and all of a sudden all these papers went everywhere. And she lost it at that point in time and walked out of the classroom. You know, sometimes we can be like that in our life with Jesus Christ. We can live a life that's just living reckless and doing our own way, enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season in some respect, and not reflecting godliness in our life. The world needs to see something different in our life. And, and, and it says true godliness is reflected in the life of an individual that earnestly seeks to live above the petty things of life, as well as the passions and the pressures that control our lives. 
First Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness leads to brotherly kindness. Philadelphia, uh, serving the brethren. This simply means putting a love for your brothers and sisters in Christ ahead of yours. First Peter one twenty two says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, your, your actions are in obedience through the spirit of unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a fervent heart, uh, with a pure heart fervently. And that's what we, we desire to do here at Trinity. As we walk this, this journey that we're going through, this path that we're is we need to be drawing closer to one another. We need to be loving on one another. We need to be uplifting one another. We need to be encouraging one another. We need to be supporting one another and helping each, each of us to take that next step spiritually so that we can be more like Christ. And we can respond in, not in our human fleshly responses as we so desperately desire, but that we re respond and react in a Christ-like manner. And so we're to add uh, to brotherly kindness, the Bible says, charity. In other words, what Peter's saying is all of these virtues, this virtue, this knowledge, uh, uh, this temperance, this patience, uh, this godliness, uh, brotherly kindness, it all needs to be wrapped up in love. Your virtue, your knowledge, your love of God, these all has to be wrapped up in love. Love, love leads us, leads one to love and serve others in the same manner as God would, would love and serve them. The sacrificial giving of oneself for the benefit of others without thought of return is the definition of love in the RU curriculum. So how does your charity differ from brotherly? How does uh, charity differ from brotherly kindness? When we have brotherly love, we, we love because of our likeness to others. That's conditional. With agape love, we love in spite of the differences that we have. That's unconditional. John 15, 13 says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. We have experienced the love of God. In, 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 in Christ coming to make provision for our sins. It says these seven qualities should be produced in the life of every believer if we're going to be growing and maturing in our walk of faith for Jesus Christ. However, for the nominal Christian, many times they, these are non-existent. They tend to act and react to the stresses and distresses of life in much the same manner as the unsaved. When fear comes, when panic comes, when worry comes, when doubt comes, despair comes, we act and respond just like the world. But for the Christian, if they will surrender their life of faith over to the Lord, he will begin to grow them spiritually, mature them into the godly individual that God intended, just like Peter is speaking of here. And so we see the preciousness uh, uh, of our faith uh, that, that Peter talks about. And we see here all that we're to add these seven qualities and see these seven characteristics to it. We see the progress of our surrendered faith. But lastly, we see uh, we must realize the promise of submitted faith. Notice we're down in verse number 10. Verse number 10. Uh, actually, let's go back to verse number 8. For if these things be you and abound, that they, that they make you, uh, that you shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So therefore, it's, it's going to make us productive. It's going to make us valuable and usable for him. You shall be fruitful in your life for God. You will know God in a greater way than you've ever known him. But there in, in verse number 10, he says that ye shall never fall. If you continue down the path and you're implementing and you're growing in your faith, it will prevent you from those times of, 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 of failing and falling uh, away from uh, your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the thought there of never fall is that of being tripped up. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. He wants to trip you up and he wants you to stay down. He doesn't want you to get back up. There was a time in the youth ministry here when when a parent said to said, I heard overheard a parent say to another individual, you know, I. Kind of given up in certain areas of my life. I just get tired of falling down. I get tired of failing. I've just given up in those areas. 
I just, God's just going to have to accept those areas. And I'm, I'm telling you, God doesn't accept those kinds of things. You're falling and failing because you're not growing in your faith. I'm falling and failing because I'm not growing in my faith. And as long as I'm growing, I, that means I'm going. And I'm effectively uh, living my life out for the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you today, do you have a faith that's continuing to grow? Are you concerned about your life and, 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 and living in victory for Jesus Christ? It can only come about and. That was Peter's burden here for these believers. He said, I want you to be successful. I want you to prosper. I want you to experience this divine influence. I want you to have this divine power that God's given to you. And I want you to experience and know the divine nature that will help you to live the godly life in Christ Jesus. But if you're going to have that kind of life and experience that kind of, uh, uh, of joy, then you need to have these qualities in your life. And you need to continually be adding these things. There's never a time that we stop adding those things to our life. So let's seek to grow continually as we walk the walk and talk the talk that we might grow continually in our faith for Jesus Christ. Father, we're thankful and grateful for this time together in your word. Thank you for this simple example that as Peter was so burdened for these believers, and they, they weren't together. They were scattered abroad. They couldn't lean upon one another. And Peter's reminding them of these things, of these things, of these things. Four times he refers to these things, and what he's talking about is adding to their faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to, virtue, uh, to knowledge temperance, and godliness, and brotherly kindness, and, and patience, and, and charity. Lord, I, I pray that we would begin adding if we've not already started. And if we've already started, Lord, that we would never stop adding these things to our life. For if we do these things, we shall never fall. We, we, shall be, have, we have the potential within us by the power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God to have victory day after day after day. Even in the midst of trial and challenge, we can have victory and we can be drawn closer to you in our walk. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and say, I'm a child of God, but, but my faith isn't growing like it needs to grow. I'm tired of up and down and all around. And uh, Pastor, would you pray for me that, that, that I might begin to reaffirm that walk and relationship with God, that I might begin to add these things to my faith, that my faith might grow in my response to him. Anyone like that here? Just flip your hand and put up, put it right, right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're today, you know, Pastor, I, I don't have that relationship with God because I haven't exercised that faith to believe that he could forgive me or would forgive me of my sins. Pastor, you don't know me and what I've done. Let me be honest with you, friend. I don't have to know you and I don't have to know what you've done. God already knows, but there's not anything that God can't and is not willing to forgive you for. He died on the cross to forgive all sins. He paid the price. He took your debt of sin upon himself in order that you might have the life of righteousness, uh, which, uh, which he came to give to us. And today you can have that, that, that renewed relationship and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there anyone here today that say, Pastor, I'm not a child of God. I've never placed my faith and trust in him. I don't have, I have not begun that faith walk yet with him, but today I'd like to begin that faith walk. I'd like to know that uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That if I die today, I'm on my way to heaven. Anyone like that here today? Just slip your hand up, put it right back down. I'll not come to you. I'll not call your name. I'll not embarrass you. But just trusting that, that I've, I've placed my faith and trust in Christ today. Thank you so much. Father, again, we thank you and praise you for your graciousness to us. And my, you are so gracious. You are long-suffering and you put up with so much garbage that we give to you day by day. So many times we pretend and act out in ways uh, that would, would maybe appear to other people that uh, we're different than what they are. But the reality is so many times we, we're just acting. We're just playing games. And the devil's okay with us playing games, but you're not. 
Lord, help us to get serious about our lives. Life is so short. Lord, I pray that we would strive to add to that faith that you've given to us of salvation, Lord, that we would uh, have living faith that would grow, that we live uh, uh, with moral excellence and virtue. Lord, that we gain a greater knowledge and understanding of who you are because that greater knowledge will develop within us a fear, a fear of turning away from you, a fear of, of what you would do as far as, uh, as we continue down the wrong path. Lord, I, I pray that uh, we would just go forth in, in victory, adding these other things uh, to our lives and to our faith, that we would be more like Jesus today than we are in the world, that tomorrow and each day thereafter we'll strive to be more like you and less like the world. Bless now this invitation time as we seek your mind and your will in these things. We pray in your precious name. Amen.